0: Every Hair Counts is a show about keeping the hair you have and replacing the hair you've lost. Hosted by Dr. Baines and Susan Jernigan from Jernigan's Hair Replacement Clinic. This episode is called Hair Loss Disorders. What treatments are available for your type of hair loss? Welcome to Every Hair Counts. Back at it again. We've got our full cast and crew here. I'm Jason Kong. Thank you so much for joining us. Along with me, I have Susan Jernigan, Natasha Ochterberg, and Dr. Sujeev Baines. And today, we're going to spend this session discussing different types of hair loss and Susan I'll start with you because once someone realizes that hair loss is something that is happening to them you know uh, maybe anxiety hits them or even fear but also confusion and uh, wanting to know exactly what's going on
1: yes so with hair loss it's important to kind of know what is going on with your hair loss what is causing your hair loss So there's so many varieties and different terms for hair loss, alopecia being a very broad term. So there are many different types of alopecia. And Dr. Baines and Natasha can explain the different terms and exactly what to listen for from your doctor and when to come and see us.
0: Yeah. And Natasha, I want to Now, pivot to you here. So, you know, typically when someone comes in, then they're speaking with you and you're trying to assess if alopecia is the case here. What exactly are you looking for? What what types of questions are you asking? What information are you trying to get from the client?
2: So one thing that we want from a patient is their history. What led up to causing the hair loss? Were they hospitalized with a severe illness? Did they undergo a chemical burn? Is there a genetic hair loss in their family that they're just going through? severe weight loss. There's many, many causes of hair loss that can happen. Another thing that we want from the patient is their symptoms. They can have severe itching, burning, which can be a sign of a scarring alopecia. With hair losses, we typically classify them as scarring or non-scarring. And that's one of the first needs that we have when we're going to determine a treatment of what is the best plan going forward for that particular
0: client. Gotcha. And so, how do we then formulate that uh, that treatment plan, Dr. Baines? What's next from there?
3: So usually uh, after we take a thorough history, then we do a physical examination as well. And in the physical examination, we're looking for certain patterned or non-patterned hair loss, as well as the timeline of the hair loss. Um, we use a dermatoscope, which is a magnified um, scope that allows us to look at the hair follicles directly. That helps us with the diagnosis. And then, dependent upon the type of hair loss, we can then make a treatment plan.
0: Susan, I, I think maybe when this happens, in some cases, there might be some denial, thinking that maybe this is something that is temporary. And, you know, I'm not sure what's going on here, but I'm going to wait it out and see. When should folks take action?
1: It's really important that you take action as soon as you are feeling uncomfortable, as soon as you are really noticing a hair loss, because the sooner we can start looking at it and treating it, the faster we can possibly prevent further loss and get some hair regrowing.
0: That is good to know that we need to take action as soon as possible. And Natasha, when you're speaking with clients and you sort of figured out, okay, we kind of have an idea of what's going on here, then how do you help determine that line of treatment to make sure that the the patient is comfortable and happy with the next steps?
2: Well, one thing that we want to do when we talk to the patient is look at what they're looking to achieve. Some patients are very happy just stabilizing the hair loss and making sure they don't lose any more. They're confident with where they're at, with a little bit of recession or slight bit of thinning, and they really don't want to go through any intense surgical or non-surgical procedures. Other patients are very concerned on the overall look and getting back to exactly where they were before, and at that point, finding out some patients are very comfortable with a medical route, such as surgery, while other patients aren't very comfortable with their route, And then when a patient really wants surgery, are they a good candidate for it? Are we going to be able to give them what they want? Or do they have a form of hair loss where transplant isn't the best option and non-surgical is?
0: I want to take a quick step back, Natasha, and ask about how long does it take to maybe figure out where this hair loss is, what's causing it? Because- Part of the, the fear or anxiety may also, I mean, we've all been in that situation where we're waiting for some results or trying to figure out the cause of something. So when someone first speaks to you, how long are we talking about of a process here to try and determine the cause of hair loss?
2: Well, that can depend on the patient and the type of hair loss they have. Sometimes patients come in with a very clear presentation, male pattern baldness, father had it, grandfather had it, has it, and they're progressing right along the same lines and we don't see any scalp issues or anything. Other times, you might have a female who comes in who had a previous, you might have a female who comes in who had a previous chemical burn on their scalp. So there's a reason why they have scarring on their scalp, but yet they still have some irritation and there's signs that it could be an underlying inflammatory response and there's another medical treatment needed. So sometimes we actually have to send a patient out for a biopsy and have it read by a dermatopathologist and tell us what's exactly going on underneath the skin. So sometimes we can know within five minutes, sometimes we have to do further testing, whether it's blood tests for iron deficiencies, thyroid disorders, or even a scalp biopsy to tell us the tissue of what's going on.
0: And Susan, this again gets back to the idea that you use this information and help craft the the best treatment and most comfortable treatment for the client because it's it's not just about, you know, you've got a, a hammer and all you can do is just hammer in these nails. You've got a, a wide array of tools that you can use that you'll find that is best suited for that person.
1: Yes, yes we do. We have uh, several different options and they, they range anywhere from a, a very good uh, supplement to possibly PRP treatments and things all in between. So it's just very, very important that that you do something. We just encourage anyone, male, female, young, old, it, when you're dealing with that hair loss, to, to get the answers. Because a lot of times you just don't have to deal with it. There are answers out there. There are also uh, a lot of confusion on different terms and of different types of alopecia. And Dr. Baines can discuss what kind of different terms are and what they really mean because you hear a lot of different things either on the radio or maybe your doctor's told you one thing and you're not real sure what that is.
0: That's a great idea. Dr. Baines can you go over some of these popular terms that we tend to hear and maybe might be using incorrectly or have the wrong idea about?
3: Sure so alopecia in general just means hair loss. Androgenetic alopecia is what we commonly referred to as male or female patterned hair loss, which we see as a a very prevalent type of hair loss and generally what we treat most commonly at Jernigan's. Um, There's other types of alopecia such as alopecia areata, which is an autoimmune destruction of the hair follicles. Um, And several other um, types of alopecia that we see is traction alopecia, which is a type of alopecia that's um, Secondary to wearing tight braids or ponytails that create a traction on the hair follicle and weaken it. Um, So that's probably our most common types of hair loss that we see in our clinic. Um, Androgenetic, alopecia areata, traction alopecia. There are scarring alopecias that Natasha has referred to. Um, Those type of um, alopecias usually have some specific findings that we see on the skin, And we usually want to confirm um, those findings with a a dermatologist and or a scalp biopsy because those are more complicated cases. We don't see them as commonly as the ones I just mentioned.
0: We're dealing with a lot of forms of alopecia here that you're discussing. For the onset of this, does this happen at a certain point in life? Can this happen at any time? Uh, What do we need to know about who is susceptible to alopecia?
3: Uh, Generally, uh, male or female pattern hair loss, it usually uh, happens with increasing age. We see elevated dihydrotestosterone in the scalp, so it's more age-related is where the prevalence really goes up. The other types of alopecia, depending upon the type, alopecia areata can actually occur in a younger age group because it's an autoimmune phenomenon. Um, Traction alopecia, again, uh, from The the cultures that generally tend to wear tight braids or tight ponytails are more susceptible. So we can see them at the point where they're actually doing that for a longer period of time. It doesn't happen immediately. It's more of a gradual phenomenon with that type of hairstyle.
2: For scarring alopecias, we oftentimes see that they're not good surgical clients, but we're able to help them in other ways at our office, replace their hair and replace their confidence with a way that works for them. Because we also do treat scars caused by radiation therapy and car accidents with a surgical method. But when it's an underlying immunological disorder that's causing the hair loss, we find it better suited to do non-surgical methods. Trichotillomania is another disorder we see that is characterized by hair pulling by the client. It's often caused by stress and is very difficult for a client to control. We do have a lot of patients who will see a therapist to help, relieve the stress in another manner. Some people will tap their hands or do something else to relieve that anxiety. But it is a very difficult thing for people to admit to when they're causing their own hair loss as a stress relief mechanism.
0: Can that also be something that they just don't even realize that they're doing at the time?
2: Oftentimes patients do that at times they don't realize. They can be watching TV and they find themselves twirling their hair, slowly pulling the hairs out one at a time, and they'll look to the side and see a pile of hair and it's very very upsetting to them and it's very hard to admit for patients too.
0: And what is the treatment outline for for that?
2: Replacement methods would oftentimes be a hair system for that client. We wouldn't want to go in and do a transplant when they are actively pulling their hair. Now we do oftentimes recommend that the patient work with a therapist and help to relieve that disorder and find another focal point for their stress. Clients who have recovered from their trichotillomania and aren't pulling are candidates for hair transplant and can have that hair permanently replaced with their own good hair.
0: Susan, can we quickly go over some common misconceptions when it comes to types of hair loss? Because there's so much misinformation that is out there in this field. And it it can be hard to know what is true and what is not true.
1: Well, a lot of times people think that their hair loss only comes from like just their father or just their mother. And that's not the case. It can come from either side and it can skip a generation. So your mom and dad could have great hair, but maybe a grandfather or grandmother or uncle or aunt does not. So it can skip down generations. Uh, Typically, uh, also with with age, yes. As we age, we can we typically start seeing more hair loss. Sometimes it's a normal thing. Everyone, as they get a little older, they're going to recede a little in the temples. That's that's a natural versus a sign of there's a huge problem. But as that is continuing to thin throughout the scalp and really going further back than what would be normal, then that's a sign of hey. I'm losing my hair. I need to do something about it.
0: Dr. Baines, for the types of hair loss that are, are might be triggered by like anemia or thyroid, weight loss or, or COVID, can that be reversed? How does that work?
3: So what you're referring to is hair shedding, which we call telogen effluvium. The hair goes into a premature cycle where uh, it actually gets shed earlier than it should. Um, usually uh, that type of... Uh, Uh, process um, is usually resolved in six months where the hair tends to grow back. It can go into a chronic state where sometimes the the follicles will need to be stimulated by either nutrients or PRP or even minoxidil can help. So it depends on the case but yes it is reversible and more so if you actually correct the inciting problem. For instance if it's iron deficiency anemia, if you correct the anemia with iron tablets it could help. Um, if it's a thyroid disorder, um, you know, uh, supplementation of thyroid hormone can help. Um, so those, those cases are fairly frequent that we see in our clinic, and, and we generally recommend that they get a full panel of blood work uh, to look at their uh, chemistries uh, as well as a timeline of when they had their hair loss.
0: One subject that we haven't really broached yet is uh, cancer treatment. Natasha, for folks who are are dealing with cancer and maybe going through various forms of treatment, how does that impact hair loss? You know, that's something that uh, I I think we're somewhat familiar with, but and how does treatment look in that regard?
2: So one thing to know with cancer treatments is not all chemotherapies cause hair loss. So a lot of patients here, they're going to get chemotherapy and they rush in to get a wig or a custom hair system And one of the first things we always tell the patients is talk to your physician and find out if that chemo is actually going to cause your hair loss. Because oftentimes patients come in and they don't even have to do anything. But for those patients that do, hair loss is hard. That's what they see when they look in the mirror. It makes them not feel like themselves anymore. So we want to work with them to give them that look so they feel like themselves when they look in the mirror while they're going through the treatments. I know I have patients say, I see everything else. I feel this way. I don't want to look this way too.
0: Susan, we're often sold uh, marketing lines and different ideas about hair care products, but some of these hair care products can actually damage hair follicles. What do we need to know about that?
1: A lot that happens in hair care is more of from a stylist point of view. And when we're as a female or even a male going in and getting, you know, hair color, hair straightening, a lot of those products burn. And if you get too deep of a burn into the scalp from a product, then that is going to create hair loss because you're actually burning a follicle deep, so to speak. So we have to be real careful when we're asking our stylists to use chemicals on our hair. How often are we doing that? Do they, are they properly trained to use chemicals on the hair? in which to do that. So you want to be just really careful when you're doing that. Don't overdo it. Um, Hair straightening products are a little harsher than regular coloring products, but you want to be sure you're using a really good stylist that knows what they're doing.
0: That's wonderful advice for anyone who's, you know, dabbling in different types of hairstyles. You do have to make sure that you're using products properly and safely. Natasha, hormones can come into play when it comes to hair loss, a hormonal imbalance and, you know, this tends to be a little bit more common in women. Can you tell us about that?
2: As we age and start to go through menopause, our estrogen levels drop and women times will often start noticing hair loss at that point in time. So, as our hormones shift, we have a shock to our system not only can we be experiencing a regular female male pattern baldness, we can also even be experiencing some telogen effluvium with major hormonal shifts with that.
0: Susan, we've gone over a lot of different types of hair loss so far. Where does PRP come into this?
1: So with PRP, we are able to use that to treat different forms of alopecia, different hair losses. Hair loss isn't just Tied to just the head. Some folks also lose hair in their eyebrows. Men men can lose eyebrow hair as well as beard hair. And we're able to help with that, and Dr. Baines can tell you how.
3: Certainly, we can use PRP along with other treatments uh, synergistically for uh, genetic related hair loss, like androgenetic alopecia. But it's actually been shown to be beneficial for other types of hair loss as well, like alopecia areata or telogen effluvium. Is one uh, particular uh, type of hair loss that we've used it in with some success clinically.
0: And Dr. Baines, when it comes to PRP, this is not necessarily something that we have to wait for when we've when we've got to a point where we're really worried. This can be something that can be ongoing and used for maintenance.
3: That's an excellent question. Um, yes, PRP can be used, even if there's only uh, a minor amount of hair loss, just to help thicken the hair you have
0: and dr baines i'm learning a lot of new terms today uh particularly alopecia totalis and alopecia universalis what do we need to know about these two different types of alopecia
3: so these are types of alopecia that are secondary to an autoimmune destruction of the hair follicles okay Um, which is known as alopecia areata um alopecia totalis is when you actually see the majority of the hair on the scalp being lost from this autoimmune disorder. And universalis is when you actually use, lose, sorry, hair uh, on the remainder of the body as well.
0: Natasha, can you tell me a little bit more about other types of hair loss that you see in different areas of the body?
2: So one thing people don't really realize is the look that our eyebrows give to us. When people look at our eyes, the full shape, eyebrow hair loss is very concerning to a lot of patients. So helping to restore a patient's eyebrows can make a whole difference in their look. While women oftentimes draw them on, they get tired of it. Men don't like the look of a drawn-on eyebrow, so replacing that hair can make a huge difference in someone's self-esteem. We've done many surgeries replacing beards for clients who can't grow them, and even for scars. I've had burn victims who come in and do a hair transplant to cover up scar tissue on the face and grow a beard to help camouflage
0: That's wonderful to know, and it's empowering to know that there's resources available to us if we are suffering from any of these types of hair loss. We can go to jerniganshair.com, that's jernigans with a J, to find more information. That will do it for this episode. On behalf of Susan Jernigan, Dr. Sujeev Baines, and Natasha Okterberg, I'm Jason Kong. Thank you so much for listening to Every Hair Counts. For a free consultation to find out what kind of hair loss you're suffering from and what you can do about it, schedule online now. If you have other questions you'd like to have answered on the Every Hair Counts podcast, send them to Jernigan's Hair at AOL.com.